It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 51, The Treachery of Abahimelech, the Son of Gideon. When Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, visited Moses in the wilderness, he told Moses that the work was too much for him, and that he needed to delegate and to raise up other leaders to support and help administer the nation of the Israelites. This was his instructions for the selection of leaders, which became the modus operandi for selecting leaders of high quality. Exodus 18.21 Select out of all the people, able men, who fear God, men of truth, and those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place them as leaders of the thousands, hundreds, and fifties, and tens. In this verse, Jethro gives very specific directions for the choosing of future leaders. Leaders were to be, one, competent and able, two, they should fear God. Three, they should be men of truth. And four, they should be haters of dishonest gain. Though Gideon refused the kingship, he allowed an ephod to be built and worshipped in his honor in his town. He established a harem in his hometown and ruled like a royal chieftain instead of a humble judge. He even had a girlfriend that he really liked. Not enough to marry, probably because she wasn't an Israelite, but enough to call her his concubine. The concubine lived in Shechem. After having 70 legitimate children... He has one with his concubine as well and names the child Abahimelech. There are many Abahimelechs in the Bible, and there are at least four of them. King of Gerar in Abraham's time, the king of Gath in the time of David, the son of Gideon, Abahimelech, and a priest in the time of David. So it's an interesting name. Also in the Shamgar episode, I chose Abahimelech not because he was one of these characters, but because some say Abahimelech is a form of a hereditary title for Philistine warlords, kind of like the use of the word pharaoh in Egypt. The name Abahimelech means my father is king, which is crazy meaning, seriously. I, I thought Gideon rejected being king, but here he is allowing his son, illegitimate son, to be named my father is king. Gideon's pride is catching up with him fast, and it must be a revelation of his heart that in his heart he thought he was king. And he was very proud. Symbolically, this is what happens with Abahimelech. Gideon's actions and self-indulgence conceived and gave birth to a reckless, self-ambitious, destructive pride. In this episode, there will be two themes running opposite each other. The values of humble Christian leadership and the opposite of it. Selfish, ambitious greed, which is manifested in the person of Abahimelech. 
During the remainder of Gideon's life, there was a 40-year peace, and according to our timeline, this runs in parallel with Barak's 40 years of peace in the north. But when the two die, Israel slips into idolatry again. Judges 8.33 No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal Bereth as their god, and did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, in spite of all the good things he had done for them. Note here, the God they worshipped now was Baal. Interesting to consider this unusual thought. When the Israelites began to take a knee to the God of another people, these people all of a sudden find themselves stronger and superior and eventually have physical power over this people. When Israel surrendered in their hearts to the spirit of the Philistines, it was only a matter of time before the Philistines physically had control over them. The physical is a manifestation of the spiritual condition of the heart. Now the account gets twisted, and there are multiple players in this account, and most end up dead. It's like a crime drama with corrupt police and gangsters all dying in the end. It begins with selfish ambition, the illegitimate son of Gideon, Abimelech, he convinces the town of Shechem to want him king over his 70 brothers. The town chooses him to rule over them. And take note here, this is what they wanted. They wanted Abimelech to be their king. So the leaders of the town of Shechem give 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal, which he uses to hire scoundrels and mobilize a personal mercenary army with cursed money and with his army, he goes and kills all of his brothers on one stone in a form of ritualistic killing in Ophrah, his father's home. Except the youngest son, Jotham, he escapes. Next, Abimelech goes to Shechem with his personal army and is crowned king in Shechem and Beth Melo. Jotham, the only surviving son of Gideon, watches from afar on a hilltop as Abimelech is crowned king, fulfilling his selfish, evil ambition. And Jotham ruins his coronation. He stands afar off on Mount Gerizim and prophesies and curses Abimelech for his actions in a form of an allegory or parable to communicate what has happened. Judges 9, 7. When Jotham was told about this, he climbed up to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. One day the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree answered, Should I give up my oil, by which both gods and humans are honored, to hold sway over the trees? Next the trees said to the fig tree, Come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, Should I give up my fruit, so good and sweet, to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, Come and be our king. But the vine answered, Should I give up my wine, which cheers both gods and humans, to hold sway over the trees? Finally all the trees said to the thorn bush, Come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, If you really want me to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, then let fire come out of the thorn bush and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Have you acted honorably in the good faith by making Abimelech king? Have you been fair to Jeroboam and his family? Have you treated him as he deserves? 
Remember that my father fought for you and risked his life to rescue you from the hand of Midian. But today you have revolted against my father's family. You have murdered seventy sons on a single stone and have made Abimelech the son of a female slave, king over the citizens of Shechem, because he is related to you. So have you acted honorably and in good faith toward Jeroboam and his family today? If you have, may Abimelech be your joy, and may you be his too. But if you have not, let fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, the citizens of Shechem and Beth Melo, and let fire come out from you, the citizens of Shechem and Beth Melo, and consume Abimelech. Then Shotham fled, escaping to Beer, and he lived there because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. Now Jotham prophesies and runs away which makes it more fascinating to see how this curse and prophecy is fulfilled against Abimelech. His father denied the kingship, but Abimelech took it by dishonor and murder and theft. The same would occur to him. The olive tree and the fig tree and the grapevine could represent many things. It could represent previous rulers of Israel or judges in Israel who refused to be kings. It could be Abraham, Moses, and Joshua, or previous judges who refused to be rulers over God's purposes of the people. Also, all of the three can represent the Holy Spirit, the olive oil, the fruit, and the wine. The previous rulers refused to quench the Holy Spirit by governing them by being their king, which is what control is. It quenches the ability of the Holy Spirit to work. Abimelech would reign for three years, but it would end in disaster. Judges 9.22 After Abimelech had governed Israel three years, God stirred up animosity between Abimelech and the citizens of Shechem so that they acted treacherously against Abimelech. God did this in order that the crime against Jeroboam's seventy sons, the shedding of their blood, might be avenged on their brother Abimelech and on the citizens of Shechem, who had helped him murder his brothers. Now what happens is anarchy. Other selfish, ambitious men rise up to oppose this ruling, selfish, ambitious man, Abimelech. Now a new person shows up on the scene in Shechem. His name is Gal. And he had his own clan and his own small army as well. And in a party in Shechem, he starts to curse Abimelech and arouse the town against him. Now the town completely reverses its decision to support Abimelech and now follows Gaul. They add their numbers to his men, and they go out to fight against Abimelech. Gaul is soundly defeated by Abimelech, and Abimelech turns and presses his attack against Shechem because it had turned against him. In his rage, he kills nearly all of the people and pours salt on the city, while the remaining citizens run into the town stronghold and tower. In turn, Abimelech murderously burns the tower and the thousand men and women in the tower. The town that crowned him king has been destroyed, its people, its prosperity, and all. Next, Abimelech attacks another city named Thebes, and the people fled to its tower as well. As Abimelech and his men went to destroy the tower, a woman from atop the tower drops an upper millstone upon his head cracking his skull, and to prevent disgrace, knowing he was dying, he had his servant kill him. 
And here is the conclusion of the matter. Judges 9.55 When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they went home. Thus God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his seventy brothers. God also made the people of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, son of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, came on them. So that's it with the strange and murderous account of Abimelech. I can't help point out the fact that the people of Shechem chose this guy to be their ruler. And the outcome of all, but one of the children of Gideon was dead. The citizens of Shechem were killed and the town destroyed. And Abimelech was killed as well. Chaos and anarchy were the result of bad decisions and the support of an immoral and unjust man devoted to violent, selfish ambition. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, I find it amazing how when I'm studying certain accounts, I find material in the most unusual places. And about a week ago, I had a privilege of hearing David Barton from Wall Builders Live speak recently. He's a Christian dedicated to help re-educate the U.S. back to its biblical Christian roots. After hearing him speak, I purchased the Founder's Bible, which is an ESV Bible with a commentary notes on prominent figures in American history and their application of biblical truths in their lives. So forgive me if I'm covering too much American history on this episode, but I just can't help myself in this occasion. So looking through the Founder's Bible, I was quite amazed when I found an extensive write-up on Abimelech. We wrap up this episode with the reading from this section titled, Avoiding Thorn Bushes. So what are the qualifications that make a good candidate for office? Exodus 18.21 charges us to select out of all the people, able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of the thousands, of hundreds, and of fifties, and of tens. First, the candidate must be an able person, competent and qualified for the position. There's not much worse than having an incompetent individual preside over any area of life, and this is especially true in the area of civil government. Second, he must fear God, have a personal relationship with God that produces a life of honesty, integrity, purity, and holiness. Third, he must love the truth, otherwise he would become close-minded to sound counsel and won't listen to correction or rebuke. He will therefore become arrogant, stubborn, and hard-headed, frequently barreling down the wrong path. Fourth, he must hate dishonest gain, not only loathing corruption, but also despising fraudulent perks that might be offered to him as a result of his position. Individuals displaying these four character traits are to be chosen for leaders at the local, county, state, and federal level, ten, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. Founding father, Noah Webster, explained what would occur if citizens did not insist that these four traits be present in their leaders. The scriptures teach that rulers should be men who rule in the fear of God, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, quoting Exodus 18.21. And it is to the neglect of this rule of conduct in our citizens that we must ascribe the multiplied frauds, breaches of trust, percolations, and the embezzlements of public property which astonish even ourselves. Where can voters find the type of ruler ascribed in 
Exodus 18.21. Benjamin Franklin answered that question. It is observable that God has often called men to places of dignity and honor, and when they have been busy in their honest employment of their vocation. Saul was seeking his father's donkeys, and David keeping his father's sheep when called to the kingdom. The shepherds were feeding their flocks when they had their glorious revelation. God called the four apostles when they, had, when they were in their fishery, and Matthew from the receipt of custom, Amos from among the herdsmen of Tikwa, Moses from keeping Jethro's sheep, Gideon from the threshing floor. God never encourages idleness and despises not persons in the meanest employments. In the Bible, God regularly selected for leaders those who were hard-working, common individuals rather than glamorous, credentialed, and pedigreed ones. In fact, recall that the prophet Samuel had looked at the strong and mature Eliab, and based on his appearance and persona, thought he would make an excellent civil ruler. But God instead chose the rudy youngster David, explaining that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. In fact, Eliab, with all of his outward appeal, turned out to be a quick-tempered and cowardly man, while on the other hand, David was ascribed as a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord was with him. David was an able man who also feared God, as required by Exodus 18.21. Recall from Judges 9 that Abimelech had pushed himself on others and connived to get his public office. The Founding Fathers knew that the best leaders were not those who promoted themselves for a position, but rather those who had been recruited by their neighbors, just as the olive, fig, and vine had been recruited by the other trees. As Samuel Adams affirmed, it bodes very well to the government when men are exalted to places of high trust through their solicitations. He only fills a place with dignity who is invited to it by his fellow citizens from the experience they have had of his adequate abilities. The people are certainly the best judges who are most likely to render themselves of substantial service. Founding Father Noah Webster agreed, As a general rule, it may be affirmed that the man who never intrigues, plots and schemes for office, may be most safely entrusted with office. Such a man cannot desire promotion unless he received it from the respectable part of the community, for he considers no other promotion to be honorable. The founders also believed that if someone was asked to serve, he was to not to refuse that request. As declaration signer Benjamin Russ explained, He, a citizen, must love private life, but he must decline no station however public or responsible it may be when called to it by the votes of his fellow citizens. Why was a citizen not to refuse a request from others to serve in the office? Because, as Rust explained, none liveth to himself, quoting Romans 14.7, and therefore our life is not our own property. All its fruits of wisdom and experience belong to the public. The founders came to office because their neighbors called them to serve, yet each would have preferred to stay at home with his family, enjoying quiet private life and employment. 
but they wisely understood that if competent, God-fearing citizens refused to serve in office when asked to do so, thorn bushes would end up ruling. It is time that we re-embrace this truth and not only recruit Exodus 18.21 individuals for office, but also become willing to personally serve in office when asked to do so. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message of Kings. Stay tuned next week as we continue our look at the Judges of Israel. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question, or if you want to chat, email me at messagetokings at gmail.com.